everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Pep Talks. We're so excited that you're back here with us. My name's Maritza. And I am your co-host, Shamina. And today we are talking about boundaries. But before we get into that, let me promote all of the places that you can currently find us or get more information about us. Uh, first and foremost is our website, which is the one that I always forget to talk about during all of our podcast episodes. So you can go to www.pureempathyllc.com and check out, you know, if you want to schedule something, any updates, we've got a new um, pop-up window for a newsletter coming out, which we're super excited for. So if you want to subscribe to our monthly newsletter, go ahead and check out our website and sign up with your email. Um, where we are also on Facebook, you can search us Pure Empathy LLC, and we are on Instagram, and our handle is, oh gosh, it's pure.empathy.llc, and we post all different kinds of um, mental health updates, practice updates, all kinds of things that will interact with your feed in a positive way. Yeah, right. I, I used to say, like, if you just want to inject a little positivity in your social media feed, come on over and check us out. Um, because I do think we definitely have a lot of positive posts and that's very much needed in yes. your social media feed nowadays, um, yes. especially if you tend to trend or get any news stories going on um, that can get very negative very quick. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, but speaking of, you know, boundaries, right? <laughs> what, are, what are your social media boundaries? <laughs> like, um, it's, it's interesting that I just kind of made that connection because I was thinking when I was thinking, okay, what am I going to say about boundaries? Um, it's such, for me, boundaries has been such a pivotal part of the work that I do, especially working with survivors of um, different types of trauma. It's been... A thing that we focus a lot on them feeling really empowered to set boundaries um, and I always like to make a clear distinction that not having boundaries is not the reason these things happen to anyone so for anybody listening out there that might kind of go there in their mental space um, do what you can to put a block for that because that's not really true your ability to set boundaries maintain boundaries has nothing to do with being the victim of such type of a crime. Um, uh, any type of crime, what I mean is like that happens to your body. Um, so domestic violence, sexual assault, these kind of things. Um, th these aren't the reasons that these things happen. These things happen because those people do them. Um, and if you're interested, you know, book a session, we can talk all about it. But basically, I just like to make that distinction because I, I worked with many survivors that go there. And I, I like to catch that when I can. But I was thinking on boundaries and how pivotal um, it's been working with um, survivors to kind of help them feel empowered to set boundaries, maintain them, and live their life in accordance to themselves. And I was thinking there's so many different types of boundaries. You know, there's relationship boundaries, time boundaries. Like I just said, now we, we have to set boundaries around social media and other types of uh, online interactions for ourselves. Um, but I don't know what kind of boundaries um, or what do you think of when you work with boundaries, Shalina? I was thinking about this question this morning because I knew that you were going to ask me that. <laughs> yeah, I can't, I can't help it. <laughs> and I, I think the biggest thing that comes up for me whenever I think of boundaries or talk about them with my clients or just even myself is 
to me, a boundary is a way to like protect your own energy. And you, you had said something to me years ago in supervision, we were talking about like boundaries, anxiety, and it has stuck with me all of these years. And I say this to my clients too. Uh, But you, you had basically told me that, you know, throughout your work and your experience, and there's no, you know, like um, empirical study that has been done on this, but just something that you've noticed in trends that people who tend to have high anxiety usually have low boundaries. And I thought that that was like so profound <laughs> and it has stuck with me, you know, all of these years. And, and I really recognize that. And I, I can attest to seeing that happen with my clients too. It's like, usually if we're very oriented towards the future or worrying about this or have our hands in that, um, or we're feeling really burnt out or exhausted, it's usually because we have to set a boundary and our energy levels are being depleted because we're putting it into something else other than ourselves. And so I, I spend a lot of time talking with my clients about that and trying to empower them that they are important. And by being able to set a boundary, it doesn't make you mean or rude um, or selfish. It makes you selfish in a really positive way instead of the negative connotation that I think uh, erupts throughout our society. So those are like my, my four thoughts that tend to come up with wow. boundary setting. Yeah, and I love that you brought up the the selfishness factor. I think a lot of people feel that way. We have a lot of like socially agreed upon narrative around that, you know, that sort of focusing on yourself is selfish. And I tend to think what we're talking about is being like really overly self-indulgent, mm-hmm. right? Like that's what we mean. Like you're being self-indulgent to the neglect of like your social responsibility to the tribe right? Whatever community you're in. And, and we always want to balance in those things, right? Of self and other, um, <clears throat> because both are important, right? We, we know that we are, and we can talk about attachment maybe on a later podcast, but we know we're attachment creatures. And therefore, like our social networks and connections are vital to our well-being. Um, we even have early studies, like in early psychology, where they were really looking into this and they started to notice in some circumstances, this was more important than food like actual nourishment to your to your body could be neglected longer than social connectivity um which is it it stands to reason look how popular social media is right an easy way for us to connect to get that quick hit of attachment um but anyways i i love that you brought it back to the anxiety because i totally forgot that i had said that <laughs> by the way like when you. You could, when you were like you said this in supervision i'm like oh dear what did i say um <laughs> I tend to, I don't know, have you ever seen the the movie Old School with, mm-hmm. um, oh my gosh, it's Will Ferrell's in it. And he does this like speech, it's, they go back to college as like much older adults. And he does this debate and he's this big goofball character like he usually kind of is, but he does this really solid debate, um, totally wins it. But the whole time he does it, he's kind of blacked out. <laughs> so mm-hmm. he has like no recollection of what he was saying. And I identify with that a lot. Like I'm like, sometimes I just joke that I open my mouth and the universe pours out and we all get to see what happens. <laughs> um, <laughs> so when you're like, oh, you said this in supervision, I'm like, oh, what did I say? I hope it's good. Because um, <laughs> I usually don't remember. Um, but yeah, I, I do tend to see that. I, I remember kind of, like you said, discovering that in my work. So sort of practice-based evidence, if you will. I'm practicing and I start to see a trend that's strong enough that I go, you know, I think I might can actually directly apply this and, and work with it this way. And I started to see 
my clients that were reporting the highest levels of anxiety had the most diffuse boundaries, either in their present life, which was usually true because the anxiety was present, but also I can trace it back to their family of origin, where the family of origin actually has very diffuse boundaries. And what I mean by diffuse is there's not a lot of distinction and differentiation between me and you. And that's the norm. And especially when we have that in our early family systems, we can have that experience of just not knowing a different way. And in the same way that you could wear a piece of clothing that's maybe a little ill-fitting and you wouldn't notice it after a while. It might not be the perfect fit, but like you, it works. And so you can wear it, but then you find a piece that fits you really well. And now you can actually like relax and see the difference. That's how family of origin stuff typically works. It's like, it's so pressing for us. It's, it's our whole world when we're young, that when we come out into the world, we sort of blindly assume that the entire world operates that way. And even when you get things to the contrary, you can kind of be stuck there in that framework um, for for many years if you don't bring it to conscious awareness. And so I'll tend to see people with the highest levels of anxiety have the most diffuse boundaries, meaning in their lived relationships, there's not a lot of distinction between them and the other. And they're often self-sacrificing or doing other things instead of, like you said, just putting up the boundary. A lot of times there can be abuse dynamics in their history where they've been told they're selfish or heard those kind of put downs. And when that happens, obviously, it's very easy to internalize that message and carry it all through your adulthood. And then you start to just move your boundaries wherever the other person would like them to be. Um, you know, so the other person's like, Hey, I would like you to do this. And you just make space for it, whether you have space or not. So, yeah. So I'm very glad you brought those two, like the anxiety and the selfish piece up because I see that repeated so many times. Oh, I really think that the selfishness piece is a huge barrier for people because, um, it's so funny. We're actually talking about this because I like talked about this ad nauseum with a client the other day. Um, and I, I kind of categorize it, you know, on the spectrum, on one side, you have the selfishness and on the other side, you have selflessness. And so usually people who have more diffuse boundaries are the selfless, like I will do anything for you. I will take my shirt off my back for you, that type of piece. And I, I really think it is important to just kind of validate that, um, some of these boundary dynamics can occur because of our family of origins and just the messages that we've received and internalized, you know, growing up throughout our lives. Um, and also, uh, also I'll do a real quick shout out to cultural differences here yes. as well. And, and just note that, um, like what you're talking about right now, Shamina, kind of this idea of like almost giving and giving too much, that line is very personal. Yeah. And so that's part of what, what we'll talk about in just a minute is like, how do you, how do you calibrate to placement of the boundaries? Because for one person, what may be too much giving and might overextend them could be very comfortable for another person. So remember, this is a deeply personal calibration. Yes, absolutely. And 
you know, kind of going back to like the selfish selfless thing, I, I talk to my clients a lot about how if you are in a selfless place and you take one step or even one thought one to a step in the opposite direction, it feels like you're taking leaps and bounds and you're this horrible, terrible person. Like, how can you possibly focus on yourself? How could you possibly, you know, kind of communicate a boundary or advocate for what you need? Like, that's just not okay. And I, I think it's it's more so about trying to reframe and battle some of these thoughts or like breaking the generational family dynamic cycles and also just feeling really empowered that you get to set these boundaries. You're allowed to set these boundaries in your life and it doesn't mean anything negative about who you are as a person. Yeah, yeah. And really remembering that that is work right? That is not, we're not talking like you're going to listen to this podcast and like now you're better. Um, You're just like setting boundaries like a champ. I mean, you may, and if you do, kudos, leave a comment. That's awesome. Um, But, but I'm just saying I'd be skeptical that it would happen overnight because like we're talking about some of these things are so deeply unconscious for us. They are early, early, early messages. I mean, very early, probably before you were even able to talk, you picked up on the dynamics of your own family and how we are supposed to interact with each other and how much we value self and how much we value other and what that balance is supposed to look like. Um, And when I say supposed to look like, I mean, in your family of origin, right? And so changing that is very difficult because some of it you may not even recognize. And then there's also the fact that some of it you may really want to keep right? Mm -hmm. So some of you may be like, I really like that we calibrate this way to this particular situation. And that feels like a really comfortable boundary for me. I want to keep that one. But then you may have some that you really don't want to keep, maybe some that were way too diffuse, um, or possibly even uh, like that allowed in like abuse and stuff like that to recur in the family. And if that's the case, you may scrap it all. A lot of people will try to scrap everything. Um, but I, I try to caution people against that because we we are genetically tied to these people and we're going to see parts of them represented in ourselves. And like we say um, in internal family systems therapy, no bad parts, right? So there's parts of you that are similar to these people who may have perpetuated these unhealthy dynamics and beliefs for you. Um, But try not to scrap it all because you might find something in there that actually works for you. And you want to be able to honor both those things, Um, that there's probably some good and unhealthy boundaries in that pile, in the in the package you were given. If you kind of want to think like, oh, you were born into this family. Here's your here's your boundary package. This is how we do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how how do you know when it's time to set a boundary? Yeah. So, well, for me personally, it's my, my anxiety level. Like if I'm getting any twinges of anxiety, the first thing I usually assess is if a boundary was missed. And that's really thanks to all my clients over the years and me really witnessing that in the other rather than in myself and being able to use that to, to help myself as well. And to obviously help other people kind of see these anxiety cues oftentimes are boundaries that were missed. And I say missed in the in the least blameful way you can imagine, okay? Um, because again, there's an there's an unconscious aspect going on here. Often we don't notice, um, and I don't know if any of our listeners have had this experience, but I would venture to guess you you have. You don't notice a boundary is crossed until it's crossed, 
<laughs> mm -hmm. right? So you're just kind of going through your day. You're not thinking, oh, look, that boundary is solid. It's, it's not being crossed. And then somebody crosses it and you're like, wait a second. And when I was in my early, early work as a therapist, I was, I was working a lot with boundaries, seeing the need for it. And I missed what I feel now was a very crucial part of it because I was having some of my clients really have a lot of success with um, setting those boundaries, feeling more empowered and independent in this way. And then I had some clients that were completely understanding what it was they were needing to do and weren't having much success. And immediately I wanted to know what's the difference. So there's the psychology brain work. <laughs> what's the difference between these two groups? I have a group that's doing well, I have a group that's not. Um, you know, where where's the disconnect? What's going on? And so I started to notice that I was teaching people like how to set boundaries. We were role-playing boundaries. We would do all these different things. And we never talked about where to place them. I was not teaching people, I was not sharing with them like how to figure out where they need to be. And that's where I discovered just how personal of a calibration boundaries really can be, which is a good reason why our old patterns or our old frames for boundaries may not fit us as we grow up, develop, and you know, expand out from our families of origin, even if you had like a healthy upbringing, right? One that you'll consider healthy. Um, your family may have given you a really good, healthy set of boundaries. You went out into the world and they kind of fell flat for you. And the reason would be because you don't actually value the same things. Mm -hmm. And I started to guide people to work within their values. So I started to say, okay, here's how you do boundaries. But before we send you out into the world, setting them all, all over the place, let's find out what you actually care about. And my example is usually this, like if you come in my house and you are having the worst day of your life and you just throw a fit and you start like shattering all my dishes right, <laughs> for some sort of catharsis, right? You're just shattering my dishes. I'm not, I'm going to be like, what's going on? You know, but it's not going to be like a, that's it. Get, get out of my life thing. I really don't care about my dishes. They're pretty easy to replace. Um, they're not like super expensive or anything. But if you came into my house and you start doing that with my grandmother's china cabinet, okay, mm. we've got a totally different feeling that I'm going through because I have an attachment to that. That is precious to me and I value it much differently than I do my regular dishes that I eat on all the time. And so that's the difference between not really caring about something and then having something set as a deep value. We've got to find those things that to us, deep down, we truly value. And that's what you want your boundary around. That's what you want to calibrate to and say, okay, how do I protect this for myself? And like I said, that's going to show up in certain categories. So you're going to have relationship boundaries. Like how do I keep myself healthy and feeling safe and secure in relationships? What do those boundaries need to be like? And then you also have levels of relationships. So there's going to be with the people in the inner rings and the people way, way out on the outer rings. I tend to think of them like fences, actually, with little gates. This is kind of, I actually did um, an experiential process in a therapy session with um, like a young adult 
I would say we're like the young adult, kind of late teen, young adult years, like right in that transition. And we got, like, we, this is when I was working with the agency. So let me preface that yeah. our, our art supplies and our art closet is always available to us, but it's like, it's such a mess, like constantly. It's just like a lot of extra stuff that just accumulated. And I would have to go through it and kind of find things that I could use because I like to incorporate stuff like that in session. So I found a bunch of popsicle sticks and like glue. <laughs> and so we created fences with little gates out of popsicle sticks and in, in different sizes. And it was like a boundaries exercise. And so the inside was like you, you're in the very inner ring. And typically we may invite like one other person kind of that close in. Um, but everybody else is kind of going to be on some other rungs. And so we did that and we just like labeled which people in their lives went where. And we practiced like moving people closer or further based on different like scenarios, you know, so like you might have somebody who's an acquaintance. And they become a really good friend over time because you learn more about each other, you hang out more. And same thing, you might have a really good friend who violates a, a core value for you and you want to move them out or wrong. You want to give them less of your time, less of your space and less of yourself. Um, and so that's kind of the way that, that we had gone through the experiment to give a visual to what it's like to do boundaries. And so I typically think of them as a fence with a little gate so that we can move people in and out. Yeah, I love that. I love that. You know, I'm all for the experiential, hands-on type of uh, intervention. So I'm probably going to steal that one. Yeah, it's definitely a fun one. I, I enjoy doing it. It was like a spur of the moment. I'm like, okay, how am I going to conceptualize this? And like, basically in the 3D, like, how can I bring this into the world somehow? And that was what we came up with. Um, and we practiced it. And I really liked it because I still use it even as just a visual metaphor to mm -hmm. kind of talk about boundaries and how they work. But really, the things that we have to protect are the things that we really value. So for me, the work of boundaries is the work of really fine tuning and honing in on what do I like and what do I don't like? <laughs> Simple as that, you know? Yeah. And I, I think that's a really great concept because it, it's difficult to have one without the other, or like knowing, you know, how do I even set a boundary or like what's important to me? What even is the boundary to me? And a, a way to kind of anchor yourself is like going back to your values because you're not going to protect something that you don't really care about. You know, we're going to have um, even going off of like that analogy you know, you're going to have like stronger values, like the closer that you are in towards yourself. And so, you know, the, the different rungs may be different levels of like values and their importance to you. Yeah, exactly. I like that. The idea of like the, the value strength gets stronger as it gets closer. Yeah. Because there's always things that like you just, you neutral, like you, like, I don't have an opinion. I absolutely don't care. Um, it wouldn't matter to me. And this is where, when, when I'm working with clients in therapy, I often see them kind of scratching their head about other people in their lives and their behaviors, their responses, their reactions. And I'm like, you're, you know, you're focusing on them and their motivations for this. And I, and I understand wanting to know I'm a curious creature myself. But in reality, it's like, where does the boundary need to be for you, right? Because it's not really about them. It's really about you and what what is bothering you about it and how you can 
be self-protective if you need to, kind of like you were talking about earlier, maintain your energy, right? Not drain yourself, kind of overthinking and worrying about what, what this other person has going on, bringing it back to yourself and like, how can I get back to, I, I guess I want to say like homeostasis, right? <laughs> like, like my Zen, whatever you want to call it for yourself. Um, but getting back to that place where your energy feels appropriate for you, where you feel intentional and healthy and, and all of those other good words. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think boundaries are such a, such a large concept for people that it's really challenging to know like where to start if you know you have really diffuse boundaries or even on the opposite end of the spectrum you know maybe you have very rigid boundaries and you want to kind of challenge that and be a little more flexible like with your thinking or the people or things that you're allowing into or out of your life and it's it is about like balance and having that homeostasis and what works best for you. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I'm glad you brought up like the opposite end of that. I, I feel like I like your analogies of things on a thread, you mm -hmm. know, um, you had the selflessness and the selfishness and now it's like, um, uh, oh my gosh, what was the other one now lost it. <laughs> rigid and diffuse. Rigid. There you go. Rigid and diffuse, you know, so we're, we're traveling along that thread either way. And I, you know, most people would say, oh, you want to be somewhere in the middle. Um, that's where I kind of go. Maybe, maybe not. Everybody's sweet spot is somewhere. And that's not really, again, for me to judge, that's for you to figure out. So figure out where from rigid to diffuse is, is your sweet spot really, truly works for you. Um, and that's, that's kind of where you want to calibrate to most of the time, but Shamina's right. If you're on the other side, you're going to be having the same kind of issues, same kind of challenges. You may not have those anxiety twinges, right? Because people probably aren't crossing over your boundaries without you catching it. You've probably got boundaries so thick, no one can get in, right? right. <laughs> no, no one can visit the castle de la you. Okay. Like it's, it's impenetrable. You can't get in. And that's something that, that happens as well. I tend to work with people on the other side, but I have worked with a few clients that have just the extreme rigid boundaries where, you know, nobody's, nobody's allowed through at all. And, and that's definitely a very valid place to be, especially if you are also a trauma survivor. We most of the time mm -hmm. think of the people with no boundaries, but truth be told, like that, that is a natural reaction to surviving trauma as well as to go so rigid that you lock everyone out. Um, it's, it's a protective mechanism, of course. Um, but we do again, need human attachment. All humans do to varying degrees, but we all need it. And so that obviously can lead to, you know, a very sad and, and probably isolated life, even if maybe the person looks regularly social in the emotional realm, they may feel very sad and very isolated, even though they might look like the life of the party, um, because there is, there's not really genuinely anyone allowed in, they're not really able to share their inner world or lived experience with anyone truthfully. So, um, yeah, so I'm glad you kind of mentioned the, the other side of it. Yes, I'm all about looking at both angles. And, and I, I like your perspective of, you know, it's not necessarily about finding the balance in the middle, but it's about finding your own balance because, you know, on the like diffuse or rigid scale, you may be leaning more towards one side than the other. And that works well for you. Or, you know, you incorporate like your family of origin or 
uh, cultural identity into that as well. And you kind of take what works and leave what doesn't. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of like when when you were saying that I was imagining like a, the, the people used to walk on the tight ropes with like the bars mm-hmm. um, that they have. And and if that bar is evenly weighted all the way across, that's like the exact middle, right? But maybe you're stronger on your right. Maybe you're really right side dominant. So you actually want to shift a little bit of the weight to the right side, right? Mm-hmm. So you're, you're not actually dead center in that case. You're slightly unbalanced um, for the person who's operating with two equivalently strong sides. And so if you have a lived experience, early childhood things that you are in some ways dealing with processing, compensating for as, you, as you're doing this work and you're holding space to be aware of those things, you may not be right in the center. You might be a little over here um, because again, there's pieces that you might wanna keep and you go, yeah, the center actually feels quite too rigid for me. I would like to be over here. I, would, I like my boundaries to be a little more open, a little more flowing. And then for somebody else that might feel very extreme and they might wanna be closer to the rigid and that's more comfortable for them. So the thickness of your boundaries, the placement of your boundaries, these are all very personal um, value calibrations, figuring out what it is that you value and what feels, uh, uh, buzzword here, right? Authentic to you. Yeah. And I think boundaries are a, it's a lifelong process. You know, if you, you do the work and you kind of establish like where you are on this spectrum, it's not that you're going to stay that way for the rest of your life. I think to, to some degree that will kind of be our, our center um, and our stability, but there is a lot of room for like flexibility or as life changes, or as you even change and kind of go through different developmental like stages and ages, your boundaries may also start to fluctuate. Yes, I, I love it. And so this is another tell if you guys have been listening along of how Shamina and I are connected and remain connected. <laughs> it's like she always says that thing I'm like thinking of or that thing that I've already written down somewhere. And in this case, um, I remember in one of my journals, because I'm a pretty avid journaler, I had written down boundaries are not set and forget. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just like a little reminder to me that boundaries more, if they change, they, they have to mature with you. Um, and that's why I say, I, when I said missed boundaries earlier, when we were talking, I say it in the least blameful way, because most times we don't even know that we have a boundary there, um, because the situation just has simply not come up. And then suddenly it does, and you realize just how important something was to you, right? I mean, this happens to us all the time. Like we we don't know what we've got until it's gone kind of situation, right? So it happens with boundaries until it's tripped, until somebody um, you know, triggers it, you may not even know that there was something there to protect um, because you might not have been paying attention to it. It's maybe never come up for you. And this is similar to how, when we talked about triggers, triggers work. Some mm-hmm. of them are, are way back there. We don't consciously recall them, but when they get tripped, we still have the same physical experience of like being triggered and that fight or flight. Same kind of thing with values and boundaries. Like you, you maybe didn't think about this one little category over here. And if you value something in it until somebody comes and runs all over it and <laughs> you know, it's like, all up in your face with it and you're like wait a second wait I'm feeling a kind of way I don't like that um so it often takes a, a situation to kind of bring some of those to light so 
in therapy, obviously, we're working to um, find as many of those as we can, right? I always think of carrying the flashlight around in the dark, like, you know, I'll carry the flashlight so we can find what you need to protect, what you've got to put boundaries around that, that you may not even have known was there. Chances are there's going to be some that pop up later in life. You know, you haven't aged into those yet, or you haven't had, again, like a lived experience for it. So I do believe that um, we, we can easily miss boundaries. And that's where the anxiety cues become so important. When you're feeling anxiety, just do a quick check. You know, was there a boundary that, that I would have liked to have been there? And if so, what is it? That way I can either go place it now if it still needs to be placed or I'm prepared for next time. I know what I'm going to do to set that boundary when that gets triggered for me again. Yeah. And I, I also think it's important to just kind of recognize that we all may have some similar reactions to when we have a boundary being violated for us, but I think it's also kind of tailored to the individual. So some of us may experience anxiety. Some of us, you know, it may be burnout or you're feeling really tired lately or, you know, changes in your mood, your appetite, those types of things, you know, maybe going on the opposite end, like you're feeling very lonely or isolated or disconnected because you're not having that type of attachment or just kind of connection with others. And so I think it's also being able to explore and find out how does it feel for you when you notice that somebody is crossing that boundary or when you feel like one needs to be set? Yeah, yeah. And what kind of going back to like the idea of selfishness, what are some of the beliefs you may hold or mental barriers to setting boundaries? Um, because even if you know where a boundary needs to be set, chances are you have a few hangups, a few hesitations to actually do so. Um, going ahead and figuring out what those are for you. What, what are the things that you believe about setting boundaries? Do you think that you're being selfish? Is it something completely different we haven't mentioned? Um, but you know, what is that thought? Um, we typically find something where we're like, hmm, and we go like, yeah, I don't want to because X, Y, Z, and it's some unfavorable consequence, or it could be um, being viewed in an unfavorable light, these kind of things. Um, so just be aware that just because you know the boundary, you've practiced it in your mirror 800 times, um, you, you may have an underlying belief that is, is challenging to get through to actually do the act of setting the boundary. Um, but obviously you can get there. I'm just more saying this is be aware. It's not a snap of the fingers or just because I'm aware that I need a boundary doesn't mean I feel confident in actually setting it. Great. Otherwise you and I would probably be out of jobs because yeah. would be boundaries. <laughs> this is what I say. Like, I'm like, if it was just me telling you this, I would not have a job. I would have just like put this on YouTube. We'd be done. The planet would be saved. Hurrah. You know, and we're all good. I said, but that's, you know, that's not the reality of it. The reality of it's very multi-layered. Um, there's lots there. So this is, this is the point where I go, like, if you're needing more um, processing with that, of course, like therapy, you know, mm -hmm. um, find yourself a therapist, like work with somebody you feel like you can really trust to reveal these underlying beliefs because the thing is some of these underlying beliefs like I said they may have come from your family of origin early early on you may not feel that they're authentic to you and if they're not authentic to you that's often difficult to share 
especially if you consider that you've been carrying around and acting out based on something you don't really agree with. <laughs> um, but yet you've been doing this um, for a good portion of your life. So you really want to find somebody to work with that you feel like you can share those parts of yourself with, the parts that you may feel guilt or shame around. And therapy is a great place to work through those thoughts and the, and obviously the guilt and shame that can be surrounding them as well. Yeah, I think those are huge huge motivating factors that keep us stuck in, you know, not only like boundaries, but just like a lot of different areas of our lives, especially for trauma survivors, like the, the guilt or the shame. And I think that that adds another barrier to being able to like have healthy boundaries, or, you know, even if you have trauma associated with some of your boundaries, then not only are you trying to set the boundary, but there may also be like trauma triggers that you're dealing with at the same time. And so how do you ground yourself when this is happening? Or how do you break these cycles? Um, or just kind of reminding yourself, like, I'm safe when I'm doing this, I'm not in any danger. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I love that you're like, you know, you may be triggered trying to set a boundary at the same time. And for most of my clients, that's true, <laughs> right? Most of the, the people that I work with, that's a very, very serious reality for them at some point in therapy um, is they are still being triggered. They're, they're doing their grounding skills. They're, they're doing all the things they need to do to um, help themselves and, and bring themselves back to the present moment so that they can set that boundary. But when you have this trigger pulling you into the past, into a time where setting that boundary could have been life or death, that's very difficult to go, I'm going to go ahead and do this. Even right. though a part of my brain is screaming, mayday, mayday, get out, <laughs> right? Don't do it. Um, and you're trying to ground yourself so that you're like, I'm here, I'm here now, this is safe. Like I'm, I'm not in danger. Setting this boundary is simply me just saying something, right? It's simply a sentence, you know, and getting yourself to that point of, you know, this person, maybe I'm speaking to, they're not a threat to me, right? This is a friend, this is a loved one. This isn't a dangerous situation just getting yourself there can take an, a, a ton of energy then to challenge yourself to actually set the boundary, which might be a very new skill for you. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I think sometimes too, setting boundaries also um, sheds light on unhealthy dynamics between you and that other person, because I, I hear a lot with my clients, they're like, Shamina, the same thing keeps happening, you know, over and over and over. And I, I tell my clients that when they try to set a boundary with somebody who they may have an unhealthy dynamic with and they get pushback, you know, they're, they turn it around on them, they're gaslighting, how could you do this to me? Those types of things. They're just like really upset that the boundary is set. I tell them that they, they're doing the right thing. That's how you know that you're doing the right thing is because now you're advocating for your needs. And if it's a healthy relationship, somebody will, you know, kind of respond like, oh, no problem. Like, thank you so much for letting me know. I'm sorry that you felt that way, you know, those types of things. But if you're getting a really big reaction from somebody else, it usually speaks more to their behavior and what's going on with them. But it's almost kind of this light bulb of, hey, maybe this may not be the healthiest interaction or they're not able to hold space for my emotional needs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and I will say though, like if the other person has like their own stuff, there's no telling what they might be receiving. So right. I often look at it, especially in like long, like longer term relationships. So 
let me say ruling out that there isn't a clear dynamic of abuse, right? Like you're talking about gaslighting and other things, ruling out that these things aren't um, an abuse dynamic going on. And this other partner is just got their own unhealthy stuff, right? Um, in, in that situation, people will do pushback because basically the homeostasis of the system is being threatened. Mm-hmm. And we see this when we're doing family therapy a lot, which is like, as soon as you land like a solid intervention, the family starts like pushing you back out, like get out of our system. Even though positive change may be occurring, positive change can feel threatening if a system has become used to um, being really diffuse boundaries or being really rigid or just being in some ways unhealthy, whatever way it's, it's become unhealthy. When it gets used to that, again, it's going to push back. And you'll see that in the dynamics between family members and between loved ones where they'll say, no, like, but I need you to fill this role. I need you to continue to, you know, whatever that, that unhealthy boundary is. I need you to continue to adhere to it because if you change, then I have to, right? Mm -hmm. Like, like that's my only choice now is I now must change. And let's be honest, most people don't like change. (laughs) This is, this is just natural. So if you're the one in therapy, right? (laughs) If you're the one in therapy and you're doing the work, um, we will prepare you for the fact that some of the people in your life are not going to readily accept the new boundaries. They're going to challenge you. They're going to push back. They're going to need you to continue to fill that role because it may be challenging for them to come along. Right. Mm -hmm. And if they don't, that's going to significantly alter your relationship, right? You might limit your time and space with them. So they may not be receiving as much of you if they don't adhere to the new boundaries. Right. And those are things that are challenging as well is that, like, like we were saying, boundaries are not set and forget. There are people in your life that you may decide that you have to limit time with, and there are people in your life that may not adhere to your boundaries that you are unwilling to limit your time with, okay? Mm-hmm. Could be like a parent, a close relative, things like this. There's no shame in that game, all right? If, if you've got somebody in your life that it's unhealthy, but you the cost of keeping losing them is still higher than the cost of keeping them. Again, very personal calibration. Mm -hmm. Now from the therapy perspective, I'm going to say, except for in cases of serious abuse dynamics, right? Right. I'm going to say that is not okay under any circumstances. But outside of that, I'm going to say, let's process this. Let's talk about it. Let's calibrate to your particular needs here, your particular boundaries, because you may have somebody in your life who just simply cannot, for whatever reason, come along with you and is refusing to adhere to those boundaries. And that does put you in a particular situation of having to decide how much of yourself you're gonna continue to share with them. Um, And and again, that's very personal. I don't think anybody can make that decision for anyone else. No, which I I think kind of just going back to, you know, somebody comes into a session, they're like, I I need to set more boundaries or this is happening. It's it's not as um, black and white or cut and dry as I think we would like it to be. It is a lot more complex and complicated. And there are a lot of contributing factors to how do you set boundaries? Can you set these boundaries with people in your life or even with yourself? And just being able to find a way that feels really, again, like congruent and authentic for you that you can be okay with moving forward. Yeah, yeah. And, and for me, I think having um, my boundaries set and my values 
helps me, reminds me to be more intentional, which we had kind of talked about, I think on the trigger podcast, maybe when we were talking about triggers or the trigger episode, um, not podcast, (laughs) but on the trigger episode, we had kind of talked about, um, not being as reactionary, right? Like that's the goal is to make conscious, intentional decisions rather than reactionary decisions based on simple survival, right? Like what's going to keep me alive. You don't want to go grocery shopping or run an errand in the mindset of what's going to keep me alive out here, (laughs) right? That, that feels very like, what are you doing? You're at target. Okay. Um, it's, it's a regularly safe environment most days, you know, um, overcrowding maybe might be a trigger for some, but, (laughs) but, you know, (laughs) but just saying generally it would be safe and you're coming from this survival place versus going and making conscious and intentional decisions. And if your boundaries are up and you're feeling really secure and you've got your fences and they're, they're nicely painted and they're in good repair and you have access to all those gates, you can open and close them and you feel really confident doing so, um, you're going to be in a place where you're feeling mostly grounded. You're feeling very intentional. You're feeling very consciously aware of the decisions you're making and the way you're living your life versus if you're really, like we were saying, burnt out, overdone, overly anxious, and your boundaries are down. Um, you're going to be, if, if you're a survivor of trauma, you're probably going to be triggered even more because it's going to feel like you are not in control of your life. Um, that you're not able to consciously make these decisions, that you are simply surviving. Um, and although survival did did well for you at one time, nobody wants to stay in that place, right? You want to move on to the thriving stage, again, where you get to be conscious and intentional um, and make your own decisions to craft a healthy life for you. Yes, absolutely. And it's a process. It takes time and it takes effort and sometimes it's easier than others and that's okay sometimes you're going to get really frustrated and other times you're like i got this no problem and i think just kind of generalizing with with mental health and doing the work that's the really hard part is everybody wants like this cookie cutter recipe of if i follow all of these steps then i will be able to achieve you know x like whatever it may be that you're you're working towards but it's it's more so about finding your own recipe and not one that fits everybody because we're all different. And unfortunately, we don't have one single recipe because again, you and I, Maritza, would be out of job real fast. Oh, definitely, definitely. And I was going to say, like, look at how much, like how many different areas of boundaries we've just explored today. It's led us mm-hmm. on to trigger talk. It's led us to grounding talk. It's led us to um, values talk. You know, just talking about boundaries has led us into so many different areas. And I think that's a good uh, tell that we are definitely long-term therapists, right? Like we are, we're in it with you because we really want to make sure that like you as an individual or you as a couple, if we're working with a couple or family are getting to the place where these things are conscious for you, right? We're trying to bring as much of that up so that you have as much at your disposal as you want. And that process can take a long time. Um, Look at all the things just with boundaries we've discussed and think about how much time it would take to simply figure out what your values are, right? To really, really hone in 
on your core values can take a good amount of processing, a good amount of self-exploration time in therapy and outside of therapy. And that's just to figure out the values so that we can begin to set boundaries. And then you've got the practicing boundaries and when people push back and what to do in this scenario and who are the people that, you know, are going to be the most challenging and figuring all those things out that that takes a good while. It's definitely not a get rich quick scheme by any stretch. Um, But to be honest, I, I typically find that I I have some people come in and they're definitely looking for a quick fix. I I don't get as many of those anymore because I think as I've cleared up my like marketing message, people realize like when you come see me, you're probably going to be with me for a while if you decide I'm a good fit for you. Um, So I I typically, I don't sell like, hey, it's going to be a quick turnaround. It's not. But I do offer hypnotherapy, um, which is sort of a, the type of hypnotherapy I typically use is... um, rapid uh, trauma resolution kind of thing. So it it helps people more quickly process some of the unconscious um, stuff from the trauma that they may not be able to access. So it's a a really great tool in addition to the talk therapy, Um, but I don't get a lot of people seeking it only, which is interesting to me because we tend to believe that we're in this get rich quick scheme kind of society. But I think the reality is even when I use these other methods that can kind of have quicker turnaround times, people still want to talk, mm-hmm. right? They still want to process these things. Even if I'm able to get in there in a quick way and remove some barriers, then once the barriers removed, they now want to process it. They want, one, their story to be heard, which I think is, you know, great when people get there to sharing their, their story, but they want to be able to process these things in much more nuance than you get with, um, you know, quicker resolution stuff, yeah. models and, and things. Um, so yeah, I do think that this, like all we've talked about is very much kind of promoting like why we stay with people so long, why we prefer long-term therapy so that we can get there. We can do that journey with you um, and support you all along the way with all the, the layers of it that are gonna yes. come up for you. Yes, absolutely. So if you are interested in working with one of us, check out our website and see what our schedule looks like. Or if you're not in the area, being able to find a therapist that works for you and the goals that you're trying to work towards. So that way you can have a healthier life with boundaries. Absolutely. Definitely. Um, And yeah, I think boundaries, I'm, I'm really glad we talked about this topic today. Obviously it means a lot to me and I could probably go on and on I'm sure you could too talking about different interventions and things we do but essentially you know um, check in with your anxiety or check in with the feeling that really gets triggered for you when a boundary is violated look at some of your core values see what do you really care about what really needs to be protected and if you need to you know seek further help to do that um, because this work is very important and it will help you feel more resilient to the curveballs that life throws at you. Yes. So thank you all for tuning in again to Pep Talks and we will talk with you all next time. Yes, we will. And again, thank you for all of our listeners who have um, been listening along from the beginning. If you're a new listener, you know, like subscribe and all that good stuff. And please share us with a friend. If you're liking what we're saying, um, you know, share us, come follow us on the 
social media or the website, um, join the newsletter, those kind of things that Shamina mentioned at the start. And we super look forward to recording another one very soon. Bye. All right. Bye.